Hi, my name is Jenny Donnelly, and this is Shauna Danberg, and you have joined the Don't Mess With Our Kids podcast. We're so happy you're here today. Well, listen, there are women who are young and a little older, but especially the mama bears, and even Gen Z are not excited about what's happening with the kids, and it's time to step in with some light into dark places. They've had enough because the attack on our kids has gone too far. So there is a grassroots movement that is rising up in America called Don't Mess With Our Kids. And you can be a part of it in many different ways. And that's why we have you on this podcast today, because we want to invite you into what we believe and know that God wants to see happen in America, which is turn hearts back to him. You can join this movement simply by sharing this podcast. You can also join the movement by marking on your calendars April 13th. 2024 at your state capitol. We want you to stand with your family, with your friends on that day, pray with us, take communion, have some reformation strategies to turn the state around, which eventually turns the nation around. So this is a big deal. Also, the thing that we're so pumped about and we believe is God's plan, not one single event and one single day, but it, we believe it will spur on a whole movement that's happening right now. But I want you to be waiting for the date because we don't have it yet, Shauna. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. And we're going to have one day where we are standing together with you and your families on the Washington, D.C. National Mall together. That's right. You're going on an airplane, you're driving, whatever you got to do. We are calling you to Washington, D.C., because we believe that the times are so urgent and we just can't let the grass grow under our feet. America is in desperate need for God. It's just simply the facts. So we want you to go with us along this journey and see America be saved. So today on our broadcast, we have one of my most favorite people in the whole world. We've been friends here for a little bit, um, but I have admired him from afar, you know, watching on social media. And then when we met in person, man, he's the real deal, Shauna. And you know this because yeah. you know him as well. He's the real deal. What do I mean by that is what you see on social media is what you get just sitting down, having lunch in a green room or whatever. Um, he loves Jesus with all his heart. He has an incredible testimony. He is the co-founder of California Will Be Saved. And I'm kind of thinking now as I'm watching him on social media, I'm like, oh, I think the globe will be saved. I'm not sure yeah. that he can be confined to the state of California, but um, I'm going to bring on Ross Johnston. We're so happy that you're here with us, Ross. Thank you for being here. And we're excited also about now. I did call you Gen Z like at least 12 or 13 times um, now, but I'm going to, I'm kind of sticking with it because, you know, I'm old enough. There's, there's a whole bunch of people that look Gen Z <laughs> to me, but you are just uh, a couple years older, but here's the deal. You are inspiring uh, people that are older than you for sure, but also a lot of Gen Z are finding the Lord through your life and through your message and through, through you just going after it. So um, Shauna and I are so excited that you're going to be sharing your story today. Thank you for being with us. And let's just start there. Let's start with your story. And we shared this with Ross before we went live. We just said, listen, you just got to share, man. You just got to go. We don't want to stop you much. We just want you to share. And we'll ask questions when it comes up. But we're so excited for God just to speak through you today. Thanks for being here. Yeah, it's such an honor to be with you guys. I mean, we all know this, that we're living in a such a significant time, not only in America, but the nations of the earth. 
And, you know, there's something that's been kind of stirring in me as things get so intense in the natural and in the nations and in our families, man, it takes a church that gets intense in the secret place, but not only in the secret place, but then it must transition to the public place. And so I believe that's like the great tension that we're all feeling right now, where if we're honest, it is very safe and comfortable. We should be praying. We should be spending time with our families. Absolutely. But there's this tension of a pull saying, okay, what you've been doing in secret, now it is time for it to be shown in public so that the world may see who our God is, who Jesus is. And so it's just an exciting time to be alive. And I'm just, I can't wait to see what we're going to do here. Okay. So let's start here. So we've been saying for this movement that the method here is to pray fast and stand. We know the power of prayer. We know that fasting, although it's not very fun for anybody really, there is massive power and breakthrough in fasting. But if we only pray and fast and we just say, no, you know, Esther, let's say that she said, Queen Esther, no, I'm not going to go before the king. I mean, that's dangerous to stand before somebody that could, you know, it's, it was illegal for her to go, right? But the standing part, I think that's the final th uh, punch to the enemy, right? So I've seen on Instagram, I've seen pictures of you. I mean, Hollywood was full. The streets of Hollywood were full not that long ago. And your team was charging from the front in the streets. Can you share with us what is it that ultimately made you go to the streets and go to the public place? Because I, I mean, it, you just mentioned it. So I want, I want to know what is it that drew you to that, like, I've got to take what I've known in secret and I've got to take it to the public square. Absolutely. It's honestly twofold. And the first part I'll start is with the biblical context, because many people have strategies, but I don't know how rooted they are in the Bible. And I think it's so critical that when we say we want to see America turn back to God, is this something that God will actually breathe on? Is this something that we've seen biblically? And I, I, something that kind of started to pierce my heart just about a year ago is almost every major crisis in the Old Testament where it came to the nation of Israel, what they would do is they would call the entire nation, not some, not half, not the ones that wanted to be there. No, no. They would call the entire nation together to pray and call on God. And so as I began to see that in the Bible, then it started making sense why my heart was so pulled to mobilize the church to get outside the four walls of the church. Because in order for us to actually take that stand that you're talking about is Joel chapter two is really what it is. I like to call them the commandments of revival. <laughs> but really what we're doing there is we're going into the public spaces and saying, listen, we're not here to force anything on you, but you need to know the truth and you need to know what's happening because the time is short and the time is near. So that's the first thing. The first kind of aspect of that is I saw it happen in the Bible. And then number two is, well, when you see how bold people are who don't know Jesus and you see how bold politicians are or whoever you want to put in that box, it leaves this question, at least for me. And if you're someone who's burning for God, it should leave this question in your heart. If they can be bold for darkness and they can say what they want and do what they want, well, how much more should we be doing that for something that actually has eternal impact and has the ability to take somebody out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so when I saw everything happening in 2020, that woke me up. I remember the Holy Spirit saying to me, Ross, if you don't stand now, you never will. And I just recognized the word stand is in that. And I obviously was not thinking about that, but that's literally what the Holy Spirit told me. If you don't stand now, you never will. And I said, well, here's the deal. There's only one thing I think I can do in this moment. That's to go to the streets, to begin to worship, preach the gospel and see what God will do. And here we are three years later. 
Okay. So describe the first time that you stood publicly. I mean, I've seen pictures of you with the bullhorn. I've seen you with the microphone. I've seen you in large crowds and I've seen you in small crowds. What did that look like? Maybe the first time you went out, did you just share your testimony? Did you, I mean, tell us about that moment and were you like freaked out initially or were you just like pumped? Well, the first thing is before I was ever on the mic or in the public, I was just doing this every day in my personal life, whether it was at the grocery store, the gym, the restaurant, whatever. So if you don't know where to start, start there and watch what God will do. But secondly, I remember it was at Huntington Beach in August of 2021 and all the craziness was happening, especially in California where I live. It was a pretty crazy place, which I know you can relate to. And I remember just saying, I met this friend of mine and he led worship and we're like, what should we do? And we're like, well, we don't know what to really do, but let's just worship. Let's preach the gospel. Let's see what happens. We show up on the boardwalk in Huntington Beach. For those who don't know what that is, it's an iconic beach in SoCal. I mean, thousands of people are there daily. We brought a full sound system, like a Sunday church service sound system out onto the boardwalk. They did not give us a permit. I said, you know what? We got the permit of heaven. Come on now. Don't get me going. But we show up there and we start worshiping. And all of a sudden, the kingdom just starts breaking out. I mean, drug addicts are walking off the boardwalk, getting delivered. You know, five-year-old children are weeping out the altar. Whole families that didn't even know we were going to be there are repenting and coming to Jesus. So the first time for me, it wasn't even like being nervous. I was just like, God's moving. I don't really know what to do here, but I'm going to partner with it. I'm going to jump in. And so that's what kind of led me and our team on this journey for the last two years of traveling all across California and America. And those are the two weapons God gave us worship and the proclamation of the gospel. Wow. So were you sort of inspired by seeing darkness just take over? Was that kind of a, a, a trigger that was a push for you? Like, I don't know if I can sit back and just watch this go on. Yeah. I mean, the best language I have for it is during that time frame. So just to give a quick little more context, the previous three years to 2020, I actually walked away from God. Like I was just mad. I was bitter. I was angry, all these things. But it's almost like in 2020, God was just like, listen, you, you got to put all that stuff behind right now. There's here's my grace. Here's my blood. Like, are you in or are you out? And so the language that I have for it is I knew in 2020 when I saw all that happening, I knew that this was the moment that I was born for. Like, I know that sounds like cheesy, but it's just the reality that was going on in my heart. And I was like, oh my goodness. Okay, all the apathy, all the frustration, all the disappointment, I'm, I'm throwing that to the side. I'm zooming out on my life here and saying, God, this is the hour that you created my life for. Therefore, what must I do? And what is my role in this season? And so what really started that was like you said, I saw the darkness on social media. I saw, I literally lived in a city in San Diego where there was an actual riot during 2020 and it sounded like a war zone. It was 10 minutes away from where I lived. It literally sounded like a war zone outside of my house. So when all those things started happening, I'm like, there is no way I'm staying locked up in my room on a Zoom call for the rest of my life. Like I'm going to the streets. If I truly believe the spirit of God is who he says he is, well then something has to happen when we go, when I go. And so that's what kind of led me to go. That's so powerful that you share. I, I've never heard that part of your story, Ross, that you were feeling almost some doubt and you were almost like, because I just had a friend talk to me this week about struggling with doubt and struggling in her faith. And I think it's because she's teetering on the fence and she's not going all in. Like you said, that's where you see the power. That's where you see, oh my gosh, God shows up. And so it's like that fence is such a, 
awful place to be, but you stepped over that fence. And I want you to go into your testimony because your testimony, we can't assume that everyone that's listening has ever heard it. And it's so powerful. So would you share that with us? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it started on day one and it sounds so cheesy, but it's just, it's reality. You know, I was born by artificial insemination. Uh, I grew up in a lesbian household, two moms. So that's the reason why my mom decided to do artificial insemination is she was living in a lesbian lifestyle. And so from about zero to 15, I mean, you know, nothing really traumatic happened in my life, which I'm so thankful for. Obviously, I like to say like this, when you don't walk in the design of God, you can't walk in the blessing of God. And so at the time, I didn't see what was going on in the spiritual realm because I didn't even know there was a spiritual realm. But when you don't have a father in the household, and not only that, when you don't know your father in heaven, you're open to attack. And so from zero to 15, sure, in the natural, there wasn't a tongue going on, but in the spiritual, there was a tongue going on. And so I remember a friend invited me at 15 years old to go to church. Now, keep in mind, I had never been to church my whole life. I mean, I had never heard a worship song. I uh, never met a pastor. I mean, you want to talk about zero grid for God. I mean, I didn't even know anything. I, I had heard the name of Jesus, but I mean, there was absolutely no connection in my mind or in my heart. So I go to church. I'm sitting in the back row. And uh, I just remember feeling really peaceful. And I went home that night and I wasn't saying these things, but this was kind of what the dialogue was in my heart. Now that I look back at it, what I was really sensing is, okay, I just went to church. God, I felt your presence for the first time in my life, but I don't want to just like be a good person. Like, I don't want to just read the Bible. I don't want to just go to a good church. Like, God, I'm not in this to like check off boxes. I'm in this because your presence is the very thing that my life is built upon and the only place where I feel that I'm home. And so 15, 16 years old, I'm in my room, I'm crying, and I just started sensing the presence of God night after night. Next time I go to church, I just gave my life to Jesus. And that was about 12, year, 12 13 years ago. And so, yeah, that's kind of the story and how it all began for me. That is amazing. So this is something that I've been thinking about, which is, as we know, well, maybe not everybody knows this, but Bob Jones prophesied 100,000 LGBTQ would come in and be a massive catalyst to the next revival, very similar to the hippies in the 70s for the Jesus movement. And I believe that. We've been ministering to men and women, a lot of women actually, who have been tormented by same-sex um, desires. And, and you know, initially they think, okay, this is just the plan for my life. So I guess I'm going with this. But then they start hearing stories like yours. They start hearing testimonies of people getting free and they start asking, what if, what if I could be free from this? And so we've had people come to the altar at church. We've had, you know, all sorts of things happen, just really awesome stories. But um, for me, praying for somebody or interacting with somebody who has either chosen a, a same-sex lifestyle or is in one and doesn't want it either way, you know, nothing about that is intimidating to me, probably because of what I've seen. And I've just seen God just love people so greatly. He loved me and my sin. You know, I just have to look at my own life to say, wow, God, because although that wasn't how I expressed my separateness from God, it's really not about the sin we're in. It's about the separateness that we had, you know, with God. I was separate from God. I was looking for God in all sorts of ways that led me to sin too. And because he rescued me, he came after me. I wasn't looking for God. I was actually hanging over hell, dangling over hell one day. And he came and he rescued me. So I'm, I'm thinking this is just, you know, this is just what God does, right? So do you, what thoughts do you have? You have to get this question a lot, especially being raised in a lesbian household. 
what can you give to people listening right now who really want to be able to embrace a person who has chosen a same-sex lifestyle knowing that we don't agree with it? It's not the truth that we agree with, but we can love them. We can still hold our truth and not agree with them because agreement and love aren't the same thing. But what, what kind of guidance or discipleship do you have for believers um, or even unbelievers that disagree with the same-sex lifestyle um, but are having a hard time not judging? You know, they're, they're, they're keeping their distance. And if we keep our distance from people who sin, then how are we ever going to make an impact with our stories, with our testimonies, and with our ministry? But you probably get what I'm getting at. I mean, yeah, how, what, kind of, what kind of guidance can you give the body of Christ? Let's start there with how to love people. Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many different aspects or ways you can look at this. For me, I, I want to say I'll just hone in on one because I think sometimes we have so much information in our culture and, and there's nothing wrong with information. But I'm like, man, what is actually going to move the needle, so to speak? Like, where are we actually where should we be focusing our attention? And when I look at the life of Jesus, when I look at my life, when I hear stories and testimonies, what really the one word that always comes to mind is relationship. So here's what I mean by that. If I'm walking down the street and out of nowhere, somebody, whether I know this person or I don't even know them at all, if they just walk up to me and I'm, I'm walking down the street, minding my own business, and they just tell me, Ross, you're a horrible person. You're a sinner. You're going to hell. As a born again believer, Christian, I would even in that space, I would be like, what, like, why would I engage with that person who doesn't even seem to care about me? They're yelling at me like there's no relational context at all. And so the reason why I bring a story up like that is I believe that's how the church has approached, especially when we talk about the LGBTQ community. That's how we've approached it. Well, I'm just going to tell you the truth, no matter if you like it, no matter this, no matter that. And I'm like, wait a second. Do we need to have truth? Absolutely. One hundred percent. But we must also have love. I like to say it like this, love and truth go hand in hand. We have two camps right now that I, that I mostly see in my experience. It's all about love. You know, we don't want to hurt feelings. We want people to feel comfortable. It's like, no, no, if they're going to hell, <laughs> you need to share the truth with them because maybe you might be the only person who will ever have the opportunity to do that. But then there's the other side of the equation. If you're only, you know, knocking them on the head with the Bible, but you're actually never loving them and building relationship and hearing about their story in their life, every person is created to have relationship. So I'll bring it to the point here. The point that I'm making is let's have love and truth. Let's absolutely preach the gospel, but let's also eat at the dinner table together. Because here's the truth. In order to get gain access into anybody's heart, you have to be willing to not only tell them and speak truth, but you have to also be willing to listen. And I think so many times we want to talk and we want to share, which is great, but we never actually listen. You know, the person that you're talking to or you're believing for in your heart or in your life is struggling with this. The truth is they didn't get there overnight. There was probably an experience. There was probably trauma. There's unbelief. There was a wrong belief. There was some, there's, a, there's a deeper root than the expression you're seeing in the natural in their life. And if we just try to go to the surface level and we talk just politics and ideologies and beliefs and we never actually get into the heart, how can we expect any true heart transformation to take place? And so I always encourage everybody, build relationships. If they don't want to talk to you, that's one thing. I mean, that that happens. That's not the majority, though. Most people who are willing to have a conversation and are willing to actually sit down. But the truth is, are we willing to do that? <laughs> it's much easier to stand at a distance and say, I don't believe in what you believe in. This is so horrible. And then we never actually engage on a heart level. 
So I want to call, I mean, this is a call to myself and to the church. Will we engage on a heart level with those who we do not disagree with, those who we know are not living the truth of God's design, and will we do it in a way where the truth is expressed, but it's expressed in love? So that's what my answer would be to how do we engage that community? Relationship. That's so good. Do you have an example that you can think of where you're at the gym and you talk to somebody or the grocery store or just, you know, when God teed you up, right? To listen to somebody to, and, and maybe just give us an example, because I think that that would be helpful of maybe an encounter that you've had that um, God really allowed you to connect with the person's heart before you tried to put them back together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll just use my mom as an example. You know, that's probably the number one question I get. Like, what's your relationship like with your mom now? Obviously she's still living in a lesbian lifestyle for now, believing for an encounter with Jesus. Um, but I've had real conversations with my mom. She sees what I do. She knows I travel and share the gospel. I mean, I've shared my testimony on pretty much every major outlet you could think of. So it's not like my mom's not aware but the thing is, my mom and I still have a great relationship. She's actually one of my financial donors who sews into my ministry. How, how can that be possible when we're taught in a culture where if you disagree, then you ultimately hate somebody or you separate? How is that possible? It's possible through actually building relationship, loving somebody, telling them the truth, and being willing to talk about the hard topics and engage on a heart level. So I would say even in my own personal life with my mom, Though she's not living for Jesus at the moment and she would not confess him as her Lord and she's living in a lesbian lifestyle because I've honored her and because I've actually taken the time to eat with her, to talk with her, to just hang out with her. She is willing to allow me into those places of her heart that most people or most or maybe most in the church will never be allowed into because I actually loved her and was willing to listen instead of me just trying to tell her what she should believe in and who she should be. So I would say the greatest example that I have is that relationship with my mom. So good. I'm just thinking, just kind of shifting gears just a little bit. I'm thinking of you're, you're a young person, at least compared to myself. I see you as a young person. You're not married yet. You don't have children yet. Why do you care about don't mess with our kids? Why do you care about what we're doing here? And why are you a part of this? Yeah, I would say this line kind of dropped in my heart a few months ago. Typically, every great nation has great families. Every healthy nation has healthy families. But on the other side, every non-healthy nation typically has families that are broken, that are distraught, that are not walking in the design of God. And so for me, when I think about my future, not only my kids, not only my, my future wife, but just even my own personal life, if I want to live in a nation that's healthy and that's blessed by God, Man, I see the family unit as being one of the core pillars and foundations for that taking place. So if the family unit is broken, then it's almost impossible for the nation to not be broken as well. And so I care because, yeah, it's going to affect me personally, but it's also going to affect the corporate. It's also going to affect the masses. And so if I say I'm a believer in Jesus and I love people and I want them to go to heaven and not go to hell, well, then I must be willing to take a stand for the things of God so that can make it hard for people who are on the path to darkness to remain in that path. And so that's what really motivates me and inspires me and pushes me is, yeah, one day I'll have my own legacy. But also knowing that, like Paul said, I don't fix my eyes on things that I can see. They don't they don't last forever. I fix my eyes on, on what I cannot see for it will last forever. So it's having that eternal mindset and eternal heart posture is what really drives me to be in this. I love that. So in February, you're going to be with us at Angela's Temple. 
for the Freedom Tour. So we have about three cities left and a fourth one being negotiated right now. But I am so fired up about LA. These women and these men in Southern California, I've been telling everybody, they are not joking around about this. They are not sitting on their heels and letting the enemy take over. I've been so encouraged. I've taken several trips down there and spreading this message, but um, you're going to be joining us at that event there in February, February 9th and 10th at Angela's Temple. And then you're also going to be helping spearhead the Capitol meeting in Sacramento as we stand together on April 13th. What have you, um, you've been up to the Capitol a few times doing some really, really awesome gatherings up there. What are, tell, just, how about you do this? Make a strong invitation to the state of California. (laughs) I'm, I am, I'm, I have invested interest in California, right? Because I have two kids now that live there. I'm looking at how California influences Oregon and Washington and the whole United States. So I, I think it's, I think it's right and good for everybody, even outside of California to care about where California goes because they've been so targeted and I, I believe that God is going to flip this thing around in California. But yeah, what do you what do you see in California? You know, you co-founded California Will Be Saved. I mean, tell us a little bit more about that region and make a strong call. Yeah, my strong call. I mean, it's really going to rattle everything in you, hopefully. So, you know, number one, if you're, here's the truth. If you're in California still to this day or you've moved to California, you're already in the battle whether you want to be or you're not. You're already in it. You're, you're deep in it, as a matter of fact, and it's at your front door. It's on every single TV screen. It's, at the, it's on the fingertips of your children and your family. So you might as well go all in if you're not already, because the truth is, if you're not all in, then you're definitely all out. That, that's just the reality. I mean, the grace for the middle ground, it, there is no more middle ground. It, it's done. So I like to say, like, you're already going to look like a crazy Christian or crazy conservative or crazy mama bear, whatever box you want to put yourself in. So you might as well dig your heels in, battle because you're in the battle, and actually have a say in what's happening for the future of your own family and the future of the nation you live in. Secondly, here's the truth. Wherever California goes, I believe America goes. And wherever America goes, the nations of the earth will go. No matter whether it's, you know, darkness or it's light, what happens in California gets exported to the nations of the earth. So my question that I feel God dropping into my heart is what if, what if California is a major piece in the puzzle to not only shift America, but the nations of the earth and then make it personal. What if your household, your child, your marriage, your school, your city is one of the major pieces of the puzzle to shift the state of California. And here's the truth. You won't find out until you actually take a step of faith. You won't find out. So dig your heels in, use your voice, pray, seek God, use every resource that God has given you because the truth is you're in a moment of battle. And if you don't know you're in a battle, well, welcome, you are. And now it's time to step up and stand out. Let's do it. Wow. Man, I'm in. I'm in all over again. But it's true. Everything you just said is absolutely the truth. And I remember during the 2020, 2021 in Portland was just, you know, a mess. I remember thinking we're either going to go down with this thing or we're going to step in and turn it around. And I just prayed God put me in the fight. I didn't know what I was praying about. It was really dangerous prayer. It turns out, you know, and then he's like, we're going to gather a million. I'm like, whoa, that's a big number. But you know what? God, yes. Let me say this one more thing. Let me say this. I felt the Holy Spirit remind me of this. 
honestly, if you're watching this right now and you're like half in, half out or not all in, here's the question I want you to really actually dive into in your heart. What else are you actually going to give your life to? Like what other thing is actually going to satisfy the deepest longing of your heart and is actually going to give you the fulfillment of purpose in your life outside of knowing Jesus and standing for him? Like really, like you have to dissect that question because when that question enters your heart, not just your mind, enters your heart, it begins to put responsibility on you. (laughs) And so I just want to leave that question, at least for that moment, like what if you're a part of it and what is your role and what, what else are you going to do? Like, seriously, like, what else are you going to give your life to? Everything else leads to what? Anxiety, depression, suicide, fear, you know, whatever, apathy, coldness of heart. Like, this thing right here, knowing who Jesus is and pursuing what he's doing in your nation, it's the greatest honor, but it's also the greatest pleasure. And so I just challenge everybody watching, ask yourself that question in your heart. Actually go to the deep places of your heart. I just, I just really want to thank you, Ross, for, you know, we, we talk about praying, fasting, and standing. And the way that you are standing for your generation, for our generation, the way you're standing in a state like California, I just really want to honor you right now and just thank you. I don't know how often people say thank you, Ross, for what you're doing because you're really at the tip of the spear of something here. And there's a lot of other people that are coming along behind you, but you're pushing something forward. And so we're really proud of you. And I just want you to know that Thank it's you important so what you're doing. Yeah. And I, I heard the Lord say, you know, my son Ross is <laughs> walking out one of the coolest scriptures in the Bible. There's so many, but um, in revelations that we overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, but here's the key. And they did not love their lives even unto death. So when you're talking about what else you're going to give your life to, that's what you're speaking about, Mm -hmm. you know, but we overcome a lot Mm -hmm. of people are like, how do I overcome the depression? How do I overcome the anxiety? How do I overcome? Well, there's a, there's the recipe right there. It says to the blood of Jesus, we have to have a revelation Mm -hmm. of the blood Mm -hmm. and the word of your testimony. You've got to testify to people what he's done for you because it has to be the, you know, your testimony. Every time I see you speak. It, you're, you're going to tell your testimony every single time. And there's, and, and think about how we get to overcome when we remind ourselves and hell and everybody listening that this is what God did for me. This is how he rescued me. But the piece that we tend to not quote or even digest or even buy into is that third piece, which is, yes. and they didn't love their mm-hmm. lives even unto death. And I think that that's why I was so, um, not just inspired by you, but admire you. Um, Like Shauna's talking about just the honor we have for you and we admire you because that's like, that's a guy right there that has drawn a line, jumped way over it. You didn't inch your way. It's like you jumped way over it. You threw yourself into the lion's den because that's the place that God shines through us. But you're also a reminder, Ross, and, and I thought about this the other day. I was preaching at a church. It came to me during my message, but there is something about somebody who has depression and anxiety and all these things, right? Financial distress and all the stuff, you know, that heaven doesn't have, right? Mm -hmm. That the enemy really loves. But there's something about pursuing what God has asked you to pursue and go all the way in. And when you go into it, it's like that stuff, it's like you cross a threshold and it peels off of you like a banana Mm -hmm. peel. Like it can't enter into your destiny, right? So you think about 
for you, you know, you walked away from God for a couple of years, you were mad and angry and all that stuff. And then, it, and then I heard it, you said you, you, you awakened, right? The revival happened in your own heart. You crossed a threshold and all that stuff is like completely blown in the wind behind you. And so I feel that today there's an impartation and we're going to have you pray to end this broadcast, but there's an impartation people have been getting this whole time that you've been talking of, I, I, I must throw myself into the Lord Jesus and be about my father's business and count everything else as less and possibly nothing compared to serving the king and giving him my all. And then there's where joy and peace and, you know, energy and um, healing exists on the other side of that thing. So I remember when the enemy wanted to make me think that serving God was going to be so horrible. You know, I remember that before I made my decision, but isn't it just the opposite? Right when you throw yourself in, it's like, man, you feel alive, you feel connected, you feel energized, you feel creative. All those things are waiting for people today to cross over the threshold. So if you would pray, you know, whatever's on your heart for sure, but absolutely to cross that threshold and just give their life away. Yeah, let's just pray. Yeah. Holy Spirit, I just ask right now, every person watching, every person listening, every family represented, God, that you would mark each person with the spirit of revival. God, that first you would revive their hearts, second, you would revive their minds, and then third, you would revive, you would use them to actually revive others. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray right now, just an impartation, just a release in the spiritual realm, God, where we would push past all apathy, heartbreak, disappointment, everything of life that's tried to entangle and snare us from our destiny. We just break it off in the name of Jesus. And we say, Lord, would your presence be our greatest desire, God? I pray for every person, whether they're in their car, their house, wherever they may, wherever they may be, that your presence would flood the atmosphere, God. And they would actually begin to feel their heart come alive again, where the revelation, the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come upon them to reveal Jesus, the blood, body, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray lastly for the seed of destiny that's been planted in every person's heart from the beginning of time to come forth in this season, God. May destiny be released. May prophetic dreams and visions be released, God. And we just say this is all for your glory, all because we love you. And Lord, we just desire you above everything else. And so I just pray these things and seal it in Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much. I'm super encouraged. I'm so excited about the testimonies that are going to come in from this. We're going to hear from people who said, man, I I was rocked by that episode and I'm changed. So thank you so much. Um, Not only are we rooting you on, Ross, but we're with you. We're right here with you. We're so excited about what we're doing together. Thank you for being so brave. We appreciate you. I'm going to say, because you might not say it, but if you're not following them, Jenny, and don't mess with our kids and Shauna, you need to do that. You need to get activated, especially for all my men watching this. Yeah, there we go. We need every man on board here. Don't just look at your wife or your sister or your friend or your daughter. You're a part of this as well. Come be the Mordecai to the Esther. So I just I just challenge you, men, it is time to step up 100%. So get involved. Amen. Thank you so much, Mordecai's. We have to have them. Thank you, Ross. Bless you, Ross. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you guys so much for being on here today. I am so stirred, and I just love what we heard today, Shauna, with Ross. It's just 
literally just firing me up. So the Mordecai's, what Ross was referring to there is, if you've not read the book of Esther, there was a man named Mordecai that was actually responsible for sending Esther to the king. Hey, you know what? She even, she, she put her foot down a couple times and yeah. didn't want to do it. Yeah. Mordecai was really the hero of the story. He's a big time hero of the story. And you know what? God chose to call it the book of Esther. It could have been called the book of Mordecai very easily, but I think we are in the book of Esther right now. We are smack dab in the middle of this thing where God is um, sending women to cut through the spiritual darkness, but they're not going to go without the men because men are really the bows and the women are the arrows. And so we are inviting men, women, and their families to stand with us April 13th at your state capitol, 2024. Make it a priority. There's no weddings that day. There's no family reunions. Shut down the business. I'm not kidding you. Get to your state capitol. Pray with us. Repent with us. Take communion with us. We're going to plead the blood of Jesus stand over our with state. Us. Stand with us. That's exactly right. Do not underestimate the patch of grass that you will stand on and put light out. You might think, well, I really don't know about this, and I don't have this, and I don't know everything in the Bible. Listen, listen, the Spirit of God will move when we move. We're just going to meet God there. Do not underestimate the power you have standing there that day. And then, of course, we have the big giant gathering in Washington, D.C. We will have the dates very, very soon for you, and we want planes, trains, and automobiles making their way to Washington, D.C. Also, please check out the website, don'tmesswithourkids.us. You can scroll down through that page and find where you can start a prayer hub. A prayer hub is meeting one hour once a month, or you can be more than that. Meeting with your children, maybe you and your spouse, maybe you want to meet with a friend. Listen, it doesn't have to be big and giant and complicated. It can be so simple. It's absolutely free. And best of all, where two or three gather, God is there in the midst of you. He does miracles and he answers prayer where two people agree. That's how things are going to change is when we pray fast and stand. We're so happy that you were with us today. Make sure that you come to one of the Freedom Tour cities and we're super pumped about it. We're going to see you there. I have no doubt about that and bring your friends. All right, you guys, we'll talk to you soon. See you next episode.